Hey, Lizards, Gizmo here. I wanted to share some of the cigars we'll be smoking in May and June, so you can smoke along with us if you'd like. For Cubans, we've got Hoyo de Monterey Double Coronas, Partagas Aliados, H. Upman Half Coronas, and Monte Cristo Open Eagle. And for New Worlds, we've got Davidoff, Winston Churchill, and Bellicoso, Diamond Crown, Julius Caesar, TAA Shark, 2023, Liga Pravada, T52 in Corona Viva, and Davidoff, Late Hour in Robusto, with much, much more to come. Have a suggestion? Email us. Hello at loungelizardspod.com. That's hello at loungelizardspod.com. Our podcast is supported by the Fabrica Five Cigar Company. Straight from the Honduran factory to your hands, the company was built by Rob Isla of Friends of El Habano and Bon Roberts fame and Cuban master blender Hamlet Peretti's. The entire cigar line is blended by Rob and Hamlet and is refined with feedback from a hand-selected tasting panel, the Friends of El Habano Forum, and smokers like you. You can even jump on the FOH Forum right now and post reviews and comments. And you might even hear from Rob or Hamlet when you do. Rob has opened the discount floodgates and now exclusive to Lizard listeners, Fabrica 5 is offering 10% off the entire store. That's all five packs, all 25 count bundles, all 50 count bundles using promo code LIZARDPOD at Fabrica005.com. That's code LIZARDPOD, one word. Plus, worldwide free shipping from Miami on all orders over $125 US. Again, use code LIZARDPOD for 10% off the entire Fabrica 5 store right now. That's Fabrica005.com. Fabrica005.com. You must be 21 years of age or older to order. Fabrica 5. No boxes, no bands, no bullshit. And now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Lounge Lizards Podcast. It's so good to have you here. It's a leisure and lifestyle podcast founded on our love of premium cigars, as well as whiskey, travel, food, work, and whatever else we feel like getting into. My name is Gizmo. Tonight, I'm joined by Rooster, Senator Pagoda, and Bam Bam. And our plans to smoke a cigar, drink some whiskey, talk about life, and of course, have some laughs. So take this as your 104th official invitation to join us and become a card-carrying lounge lizard. Plan to meet us here once a week. We're going to smoke a New World cigar tonight, share our thoughts on it, and give you our formal lizard rating. We discuss Rocky Patel's unique story and extensive product line. We try a whiskey from a nearby distillery. Pagoda goes back to Toronto. And we debate entering Rooster into a slow smoking competition, all among a variety of other things for the next two hours. So sit back, get your favorite drink, light up a cigar, and enjoy as we pair Hill Rock Double Cask Rye Whiskey with the Rocky Patel ALR 2nd Edition in Robusto. Our first Halloween episode tonight on The Pod, featuring a Nicaraguan Robusto of the aged, limited, and rare varieties, especially for our friend Rooster here. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite marca of all. <laughs> I mean, I really go out of my way for this marca. <laughs> it's fabulous. Tonight on The Pod. The Rocky Patel ALR, second edition, Robusto. Smoked so many of these. (laughs) (laughs) It's a Nicaraguan 50 ring gauge. I have boxes. By five and a half (laughs) inches long. And boys, it is completely covered by bands and information. Yeah, it's absurd. Well, it's being protected. That's a nice way to put it. It's aged, it's limited, and it's rare. (laughs) 
You don't say. <laughs> and it's unsmokable. <laughs> don't say I that. Shouldn't say Not that. true. You shouldn't might say be, that. I might be pleasant. We might surprise. be surprised. You know, we've we've had some real surprises on the podcast, especially oh, yeah. true. keeping an open mind. In the last 20 episodes, I would say, you know, namely the one that really stands out for me because since we recorded it, I've smoked it so much is that Oliva V uh, the Lancero. Ah, it's tremendous. I've got those for $5.50 from yep. Atlantic. And they have been, every one of them has been better than the last. So, yeah. who, ha- who, has, who has had this cigar before? Pagoda? Yes. You have? I've had it once. Oh, you yeah. have? Years and years ago. Yeah. At okay. our former lounge. Yeah. Prior and, to uh, getting into it. What was your first impression? Did you like it? Honestly, I, I liked it. It was, you know, it, to me, this is like the precursor to the Exclusivo. It's like the st- two, three steps behind it. It's serviceable. Decent, it's it's got a decent flavor. Exclusivo profile. meaning padron. Oh, yeah, it's like it's kind of like that. I, I told no, you, no. I told Pre- you, he never Pre- smokes that cigar. He didn't even know what it is. He has no idea. Well, I don't know if you're talking about a. He uh, smoked one in 1910. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're talking about a Rocky Patel exclusive. No, no, I, no. I have no idea what no, they make. This is uh, like a precursor, like a I don't know, a distant, very distant cousin of that cigar. That's fair. Yeah, we'll is see that, how it does. Is that why you bought boxes of these? You know, I did buy two boxes maybe six years ago. Oh, wow. seven you years bought ago. two boxes of these? I liked it. All right, wow. good. I liked it. Enough. I have hope. Wow. Well, I'm I was sorry. a the, no, no, no. I was a no, wow. fairly a novice back then, guys. Just please. You still are. <laughs> We're all I, learning. I'm sorry. The only thing I have to point out before we take all the bands off, so we can actually see the cigar. Speak for yourself, the, Rooster. The gigantic footband <laughs> yeah. that talks about how age this cigar is. It says age for two years, as if this is like. As it's some crazy yeah. amount of age. It's like a standard Padron Exclusivo has got four years of age. Why is that a big deal? Right and his the- brother, Nish, who I guess is the creative director, like the marketing retail person over there, uh, Nish Patel, says that Rocky puts two years, but it's actually a little more than that. But oh. he does oh. he doesn't want oh. he doesn't want to oversell it. <laughs> I saw that quote. He doesn't want to oversell it. Interesting. All right, boys, well, let's take the foot band off. You can pull it straight off if it's loose. All right, came right off. That's good. Wow, that is a big piece of paper. So it talks about the uh, the beginning of the cigar, 2016. Rocky blended a cigar featuring the San Andres uh, Mexican wrapper, ordered short production run of 120,000 cigars, and then they laid them to rest for two years. And this is the second edition of the cigar. Um, so we'll see what we get. I'm good. Let's wait it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Let's cut this thing, boys. <laughs> See, we're I getting on the cold draw on the wrapper. I just have to say, taking the footband off, it's actually not a bad-looking cigar. It's actually a really nice cigar. I if really, it just had the gold Rocky Patel band... It'd be a thousand times better. It'd be so much better. I don't know why they put this on. This is actually a good-looking cigar. The wrapper smells pretty good. It does, yeah. and it looks really nice. It's, actually, it's, it's a San Andres wrapper. Very mm-hmm. nice. It's delicious. It's got a subtle box press to it, which is also nice. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm into it, man. I, I, I'm, I'm feeling hopeful... Smells really good. I, I wouldn't I think call it a subtle box press. You're going to like it. I think you're going to like this, Giz. I hope so. What were I saying, think Ruther? it's pretty well box pressed. It's not that subtle. It's it's more pressed than the Exclusivo is. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Think you think so? so? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Or almost. Almost. Cold drum getting that dried fruit figgy thing that we get on a lot of the Nicaraguan cigars. I can't stand the band. I don't like the design. I don't like the color. The gold ALR? It's awful. Yeah. I guess it's not even gold. It's like copper. Mm -hmm. It's copper. All right, boys. Let's light this thing. The Rocky Patel ALR, second edition Robusto. Again, it's a 50 ring gauge cigar. 
by five and a half inches long. Classic Robusto size, of course. Again, it has a Mexican San Andres wrapper on it from Rocky's Factory in Esteli. Also some tobacco in here from Jalapa. But uh, primarily Nicaraguan tobacco, but it has the Mexican wrapper on it. So we'll see how it does tonight. This, all jokes aside, I am optimistic, especially <laughs> when these came in. I was really, really impressed with how they looked and smelled. A nice presentation, too. Yeah, right? the presentation was pretty good. Honestly, we'll they see. look good. What's the price point? These are around 11 bucks, 10 11 bucks. Which I think is on the higher end of his offering, aside from maybe the. Wait a minute, we're welding steel over here. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> is that another lighter that's taking off to Mars? <laughs> no, because every time I lower it, then it doesn't just burn. Like, I need some good lighters. <laughs> you need a welding mask for that thing, dude. <laughs> I don't remember what episode that was on, but I was laughing editing that when. <laughs> Senator goes, Pagoda's going to be on Mars. Yeah, he's got the thrusters on. <laughs> like, Jesus. This is, how it should be. this is good off the light. You have to admit. It is good. <coughs> it is good. Senator's skeptical, but I like it. The flavor I'm getting is just very muted. My draw is a little tighter than I'd like. Oh, dude. Mine's wide open, and that's a testament to its inconsistency. My, my cigar is pretty tight. Wow. Which is, I don't know the last time I said that on a, a New World episode. Also on a box press. Yeah, right. I mean, I feel like if there's one draw that is reliably open, it's almost anything box press. Yeah, I'm not really getting much on the light. Yeah. You know, like when you cut an exclusive or you light up a padrone, you different. get that. It's different. Cocoa and like it's a cocoa bomb, but not, I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's different. We'll see what happens. I think this has been aged a bit too long. <laughs> so i've had these in my humidor now for about eight weeks so they've definitely had time to acclimate um they came in a little wet i felt when i got them from the retailer but i i, I pulled them out and brought them down so i think these are definitely closer to you know what we should have done with this cigar we should have poured water on this before we smoked it we should do it now this would have been the one <laughs> cigar that i would have been perfectly fine with that this is true i'm getting some interesting flavor it's definitely spice forward for me Oh, right now, I'm getting pretty good spice. But not a Tatawahe type of, uh, for me, it's not an unpleasant spice. Like That's white pepper. Yeah, a little white pepper, but it's not um, It's not biting me, you know. No. Kind of a gray. Actually, my draw is fantastic. Mine so. too. I'm just getting white pepper and earth. Definitely earth. A little cocoa for like, me. I'm getting a little cocoa. I get not like green earth, like dirt. Soil, and I'm not saying that to be fun, like Petrichor. legitimately Petrico. like soil. <laughs> smoke output's really good. I think there's a danger in smoking this too quickly. Oh yeah, I no doubt about gonna, it. I think if this heats up, it's going to bite you. So Rocky Patel has a long, long history and a lot of cigars. I mean, when when we talk about how many cigars on his website, he has three pages dedicated to just the lines of cigars, not even the individual offerings of each. I mean, it is significant. He is certainly one of the volume producers out of Nicaragua, making a lot, a lot of cigars. And I think he's making a lot of cigars for other folks too. I'm not so sure, but you know, he has a lot of cigars and most of them are budget. I mean, you know, aside from maybe the new, uh, the 60, which, you know, 
performed pretty well last year in Cigar Aficionado's rating, um, celebrating 60 years. I guess it was his 60th birthday. Um, How many total cigars does he sell? Do you know? I don't know. Is there a count? I don't know. It is substantial, by the way. I was shocked when... uh, That's crazy. Yeah, I think he's definitely in uh, North America. He's... Oh, he's a monster. He's, he's pretty up there. I think, you know, it. I, it's interesting to think about his customer base. If you call, if you recall back to when we were going through uh, Cigar Aficionado asking retailers what folks were asking for and then comparing that to what people were buying, mm-hmm. we saw on the buying list that Rocky made an appearance. It's like his customer base, this customer base is for a lower budget smoker, which is fine. You know, uh, I think it's very much in line with like an Oliva, which, you know, we had very high success with. But these cigars are not in that Davidoff type price range or that really higher end. Or quality. Or quality, sure. But, you know, in that higher end price range. And I think he's very purposely trying to make these cigars affordable for as many people as possible. And I respect that. It's a definite business model. Sell decent quality at a low price. You're going to move product. Yeah, Regardless of what it is. So I've got some numbers to answer Bam's question. Uh, first, I'm not sure if you saw this, but he's got over a hundred different lines, oh which is nuts. It's oh, obscene. Wow. And in 2018 alone, he exported 22 and a half million cigars to the U.S. That is. So it's got to be probably closer to 30 million now, dude. A year, dude. And the, and the total demand over here being about 100 million, plus or minus. Know. I. I would think it's a little more than that. I think more? it was three hundred million. Oh, three hundred. Yeah, right. but it's still that's a significant yeah, percentage. Significant now for one 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 manufacturer. How, how good do your blenders have to be to blend hundreds of cigars and give each a unique profile? Give right. me a break. So I got to tell you this: it's was, not possible. It's I, not possible. I was reading something, and they said, "Well, uh, you know, the Tosadoras, uh, you know, typically." Uh, are expected to roll between 450 to 500 cigars a day. But at Rocky Patel, we do, uh, you know, we focus on quality. So they're expected to do about 250 mm. to 300. Mm. That's a lot of cigars. That's a lot of, That's a I, lot. It's like, what's I mean, Cuba? in Cuba, is like 100, 100, 120. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, these guys are just. You know, ramping up product. That, that's kind of that's that's uh, that's a little odd. I mean, in Cuba, if they can roll a hundred cigars, it's an accomplishment. No, but and yet there's quality issues. Yeah, and these guys can roll like two hundred, and there are, there's no draw issues except for tonight. Something is, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I mean, I mean, most of the new worlds, I mean, draw pretty. That's good. true. Yeah, that's true. We normally don't have a problem. Hey man, look from the point of view of uh, of uh, company ownership, a business ownership, it's uh, incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, and it's owned by him. He was, you know, the company was founded in 1995 as Indian Tobacco Cigar Company. Rocky was a Hollywood attorney. Yeah, and right. he fell in love with cigars in between takes on movie sets, and he would smoke cigars with other actors, and then he sold his legal practice to start the cigar business. That's yeah. cool. And I, I really admire, I mean, he's been in this since 95, man. That's true entrepreneur. Yeah. Th- no I mean, doubt. that's almost 30 years grinding. This this guy is notorious for having spent weeks in his car at a time, just driving just from door to retail door. store really? to retail yeah. store, door yeah. to door, literal door to door I did not know that. Like he was a successful Hollywood attorney, went into his car and <laughs> went door to door to to pitch his cigars. I respect that, man. Yeah. I was I was at a at a cigar lounge in Santa Monica, 
There are very few. So this particular one, the owner actually knew Rocky Patel from before. He said he used to be, he used to skateboard in Santa Monica on the Santa Monica Pier when he was an attorney. And mm. he was very, he was pretty successful. He even showed me his building was like very close by. And then all of, then he decided his passion for cigar was so great that he bought that Indian tobacco brand and he just went off from there. Yeah, and blew up. And then he uh, changed the name to Rocky Patel and mm -hmm. then his brothers got involved much later on. And uh, I mean, he, he literally did go, like like I said, door to door promoting his brand. Yeah. So, and think about it for that. Think about too, like when he was doing this in the late 90s, it's like the cigar boom time. And think about how many manufacturers, how many brands were coming out, how many, how many things were being released. And, you know, still finding a way to get through that and to thrive yeah. well in, you know, 30 years later. I mean, that's incredible. It is amazing. And there is not a single cigar shop that I've been to. That doesn't big have or small, a, a that Rocky does not Patel. have Rocky that's Patel. Everywhere. They are everywhere. Huge and he markers. owns the business himself. He is not owned by a conglomerate. It's not owned by General or Scandinavia. It's, you know, he owns it and runs it with his brother. It's tremendous. Pretty it's tremendous. Incredible. Oh, yeah. You know, I've never had a bad Rocky. I've only had maybe four, five different ones my whole life. I don't even remember the ones I've had. I've had this, and I've had a few of the smaller Vitolas, and I'm they're just going to name the band. They were dark maroon or burgundy-colored bands. Little, little. Oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. They say they're like aged for 10 or more years. Uh, yeah, it's, whatever. Uh, is it yeah. a decade? Um, no. It's been a while. Honestly, no. I did like enjoyed the, it. The red band, it's a Look, very dark wrapper on Yeah, the, on the it's cigar. like a Petit Corona type of a cigar, that, that Vitola, okay. that shape. I think I've had that. It's not bad. I can't complain about it. That one cigar, if we're talking about the same one, mm -hmm. it has a dark red band and it's got a very dark wrapper. Oh, yes. And I was in uh, Scottsdale or Phoenix, Arizona, and um, actually I was at the Phoenician and uh, they have like a humidor near the golf course, and I actually didn't have cigars on me, so I had to buy something there. Selection was extremely limited, so I actually had that. It was not bad. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't complain about any Rockies that I've had. What's the most expensive one that he has? Is it the Decade? No, the Decade's the a budget cigar. Decade is a budget cigar. Yeah, that's yeah, a pretty. Which that's, I apparently, I was just was... reading got ninety-five points by CA. Yeah, oh boy. And this <laughs> this specific. Uh, Line here got a 96 from CA. I think it was the number five cigar of the year, Cigar Fishing out of 2019. In 19, I yeah. think that's when I tried it for the first time. I think what uh, we had played golf and uh, we ended up at uh, JNR and uh, we were hanging out and we were just looking at cigars. And I think the two cigars that we picked up was the EP Korea, uh, the Encore, <laughs> and the ALR. And we really enjoyed it. Although we did have the Gordo. So. Oh boy. It's a big cigar. It's like smoking a baseball bat. <laughs> so just some more on the history of his company, because again, I find, you know, despite, despite our, you know, ball busting at the beginning of the episode, because Rooster always mentions this um, since we started doing the pod. But My favorite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, again, I just find it fascinating. So he, he, he founded the original company, like I said, called Indian Tobac. It was under license from Indian Motorcycle Company. I guess it was inspired by... The motorcycle company, he licensed the name, partnered with them in some way. That's cool. Uh, and began manufacturing cigars in Honduras. And like Rooster said, renamed the company to Rocky Patel Premium Cigars in 2006. Indian Tobacco fell as a marca under that main line, or that main brand, uh, and was discontinued in 2014. 
And since 2013, his brother Nish, as we mentioned earlier, he who also has his own cigar line. Since 2013, he's been involved in the company. And I guess as of 2015, um, it's based now in Bonita Springs, Florida. But anyway, um, I'm, I'm fascinated by his story, and I just love an entrepreneurial story like that mm-hmm. and somebody willing to get in their car and drive around and make a business for themselves and now shipping probably upward, like Senator said, of 30 million cigars a year. Tremendous. Um, it's incredible. Tremendous. Tremendous. Again, I go back to that. It's hysterical that you have enough blenders that are sophisticated and skilled enough to give each cigar its own identity, Rooster. How is that possible? How do you do that? You take a leaf out of one and put it in the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, look, I, I admire I admire it. I admire that ability to do that. Look, if oxi- that's what they're doing. Oxygen oxidizes. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think he has a third brother too, right? A cousin. Th- cousin. Oh, there you go. Cousin. Three brothers, they got it. Three blenders. Each roll, each roll 100. 10 million each. <laughs> 10 million each. Good to go. <laughs> but, they, but there you go. He's a lizard, right? Oh, At the yeah. End of the he's day. definitely a lizard. 100%. Right. And you know, the other thing about Rocky, too, is I, I would say, as far as the manufacturers go, he is one of the loudest voices in the anti-FDA regulation stuff. Whenever you see those articles come out in, in uh, Cigar Aficionado or on Half Wheel or, or, or Cigar Journal, wherever they may be, his quote is always in there. He's always, he's very active in that community, which is a very good thing. And, and not just active lending his voice, lending his time and actually being there in person. He's in D.C. a lot, mm. meets with lawmakers. I mean, if you look at like PCA, Premium Cigar Association, they're with him all the time lobbying. It's great. Wow. It's also his law background that helps. That's true. I would think so. You know, it's true. I would think so. Yeah, that would have decimated his business. Early on, the first round of these um, taxes were based on the number of vitolas, the individual vitolas and the size, right? And you were taxed on each independent size. That would have killed him. Yeah. Yeah, he's beloved in Thankfully, the industry. Thankfully, that's there's, past. Yeah. There's no question about that. He's beloved. Mm. You know, and I th- like I said, I mean, to make premium cigars at, at a really affordable price that people certainly love. I mean, and, and the other thing, too, is he's really infiltrated. You know, if you think about when you buy beginner packs of cigars, those fivers or tenors, you're always getting a Rocky Patel or two in there. Certainly, I remember smoking the decade. I got one of those, I think, from Cigar International or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was certainly one of the better ones in the pack. Um, not great now, comparatively. Because you know there there weren't putting brands in there that we we know and love and smoke a lot, but anyway, I I think it's a I think it's a pretty cool story. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of people tend to like his cigars. I think uh, I haven't had many, but there are these anniversary series. I think the fifteen, twenty, and the twenty-five. Yep. I think twenty being apparently like really mild and somewhat uh, could be a day-to-day cigar, but the fifteen and twenty-five are slightly the expect. They were meant to be premium. Uh, Isn't there like twenty dollars cigar? I think it's makes? the sixty. It's called the sixty. Yeah, that's the one I think that got the. Uh, it was number two last year in cigar aficionado behind the H Upman number two from Cuba. So his was actually the top. Which one world cigar? Which it was, one? It was the sixty six by sixty. Cigar. Oh, the big monster. It was yeah. a big one. Yeah, yeah, real big. But I think that's closer to twenty in price. You don't have to say that Rocky Patel looks great in your hand, Rooster. Yeah. <laughs> Spooky. It does look good, yeah. And I love the smile on your face. <laughs> 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 All right, let's, 
that's well I'm, I'm just i'm just i'm just i'm just glad he hasn't put it off now because the first time around remember well he Senator, can't he's being forced <laughs> that's we, the beauty of this podcast yeah. is if these microphones weren't here we were, this we, wouldn't be happening you'd be we, running for the hills. we were hanging out at the steakhouse <laughs> Ruth had given me a cube, and then in return, I gave him an ALR. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> and sure. as soon as he lit it up, he just put it down right away. <laughs> I was like, "Damn!" He's like, "I gave this fucking guy a Cuban." <laughs> <laughs> so, boys, we're about half an inch, a little over half an inch here into the ALR second edition robusto. Very pleasant so far for me. I, I I'm, I'm not. I mean, I'm not really getting anything out of it. I'm not getting much. I mean, what what, what flavor note could you say? I'm not getting any cocoa. Yeah, maybe a little white pepper. My for me, the pepper's um, dissipated. That's disappeared. Yeah. I'm getting. I, can like, you name I'm one getting, note? I can name three. Kind of distinct. I, note? I'll name three. So Senator nailed it. Earth, and I'm still getting that. A little leather and coffee for me. I'm, I'm also not, getting a little cocoa. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting muted cocoa. Like it's yeah. not a. I can't really make out like a coffee note. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not getting as much coffee. I I get like dark chocolate or like cacao. Like it's 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 very dark. It's espresso. very dark. It's espresso. Very dark. Yeah. And then there's a tiny faint bit of sweetness that's like brown sugar or molasses, like hmm. in the background. That works. It's tough in this room, right? Because we love the Padron line, and we go to that, and this supersede that supersedes anything that this cigar can ever do. Sure, but for, for what it is, it's smoking nicely. I think it's a pleasant cigar. I'm yeah. not. I'm certainly not even thinking about putting it down or wanting to do that. But what I will say, as far as flavor that we get out of Nicaraguan cigars, this is on the. I think Pagoda said the word more muted. It's it's a more muted version of Nicaraguan tobacco, whereas. If we talk about tatuaje as something that's very, very in your face, punching you with spice, almost unpleasant, which is what I experience, you know, when I smoke a lot of the tatuaje. Were you expecting that with this cigar? Because you've never had this before. I was expecting, I was expecting more of a padron type of profile, mm-hmm. not as complex or interesting or as refined. Certainly, just let's talk about just age. Period. You know, the tobacco is half the age of, of mm-hmm. the 1964 line of Padron, but it's just, um, it's just not as interesting as a lot of the other Nicaraguans that we've had. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's kind of his philosophy on cigars. Like it just, it, you think about, I mean, I've had maybe one or two from the decade line. I think grinder gave me this, uh, Rocky Java that I honestly did not enjoy, but I've tried it. Did you get um, coffee? That, that's all I got. It was just like, almost like a flavored I almost questioned if it was really the cigar. It was just <laughs> coffee all the way through, nothing else. And that's what frust. I just want some complexity. But the reason I say this is all of the cigars I've had that he makes, even when they're Nicaraguan, they're super smooth and barely medium. It's like weird. Like, you know, like you're, you're getting flavor, like the flavor notes are usually things that should be rich and deep and kind of in your face but they're delivered in such a gentle, light, mm-hmm. muted way. And that's just been my experience really across everything I've had that he makes. So I feel like, you know, it, maybe he's trying to appeal to some more novice smokers that maybe want some of those bolder Nicaraguan flavors, yep. but at this point in their journey, maybe need them or prefer them delivered in a really gentle way not as full as, you know, some of the other Nicaraguan cigars that we're used to. And that's what, exactly what this is. 
And I think that's what his whole, I think, concept is for his cigars. Mid-market, maybe just below that, and it's easy to smoke. It's fairly smooth, like you said, Senator. I think it's right on the money. What I what I like for, about for eleven dollars, yeah, don't forget for that. eleven bucks. And I think I'm sure you can buy it cheaper. I didn't buy a box of I'm this. Sure I you bought, can. I bought two fivers for it. So I'm sure if you're buying a box or you're buying in bulk, you're you're going to be able to get them even less than that. But you know, for me, it's it's just like the the flavor profile when it when it when it hits your mouth, it dies quickly. It's in and out real fast. Very short finish. Yep. Very short. You know, that's correct. I don't even think it's finishing. That's how fast it's 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 out it's out the door. You know, it, it is a very tame Nicaraguan flavor profile. It's just touching medium for me right now. No, but you're so right about the short finish. There's nothing. There's no flavor left in the mouth at all. It's like, and I uh, think to coming to you, coming from you, <laughs> the ALR expert, <laughs> not the expert. You know, I really enjoyed it at that time when I was smoking it. You've evolved. I have evolved. You were smoking this look, like daily. Look at the com- look at the company around me. <laughs> oh, so yeah. much so that I think Rooster like prohibited you from smoking any That's more right. of them. He shamed you out of smoking any Rocky Pitts. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> yes, no, 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 but, no, but you I, shamed I, us all out of it. It took 104 <laughs> episodes to get to it. I threw my box out because of you. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping it would be 500 episodes. Before you <laughs> I never mentioned Rocky Patel after that. I think. I, I think right. what. Uh, I was introduced to uh, uh, the exclusive around the same time, and then mm-hmm. I think exclusive just took over. Of course, you know, which is so much such a great cigar. Yeah, I mean, exclusive kicks ass over. Kicks this. ass. No, this is like but you now, know what? But you know yeah, what though? But... No, that here's the thing that's I think important here. I I think the intention, I think the intent of the blend is important. Exactly to Senator's point. Right. He's not going. For the Padron smoker with no. us. He right. wants he's, to go for those guys who are just under that He's trying to give market. someone a Nicaraguan experience without the oomph at all. Yeah. And I think he's doing that. Padron, it's not it's not the oomph. I think even a novice smoker would want that, would want some kind of flavor out of a cigar, some kind of notes that he can distinctly make out. I can't really make out anything. I will say one thing, though. If I, if I have a party, and I probably will, another cigar thing. Are we invited? Uh, I'm not attending if this is what he's giving out. No. Um, (laughs) I'm worried that's where he's going. Yeah. I would give this to I would give this to a novice above an exclusivo. I would too. It's it's less expensive and it's what's well made and it's easy to smoke. I was with some guys earlier today. I had a long lunch. Um home run for a novice cigar. I had a long lunch and I gave uh one of the novice smokers a Padron Exclusivo today. I smoked a Cuban. He he was more interested in the Nicaraguan just based on its look and its shape. He thought it was more for him. And it was, honestly, we had a steak lunch. We went to Capitol Grill. We had a nice big steak lunch. And it was too much for him after. Dude. I should you, I should have thought more in the line of a more mild We're Nicaraguan. just so used to the whole Padron line. People that haven't smoked a lot of those, it's a it's a packs a punch it's for a them. It's a powerhouse. It's a yeah. Punch, yeah. yeah. So you could have saved six bucks and give him... I mean, this instead of this, no, save six bucks and give them the Oliva V Lancero. I had an Oliva V Lancero yeah, in my that's bag, that's a full cigar, yeah. but I had one in there after he a steak was, lunch. He was intimidated by the, uh, the the size of it. Does it's, the Oliva V also have the San Andres wrapper? I think the Oliva is a complex cigar, probably right? not for the first timer. I think I'm so, even though it's so more affordable, more. I understand gravitating to it. I probably wouldn't do that. I'd give him this. The sailor. But again, going back to what it's Senator shorter, was saying, quicker smoke. What Senator was saying on the intention of this blend is, I think, a perfect example. I experienced it today. 
And I didn't even connect that dot until we said it. I, you know, certainly we sit here and say Padron Exclusivo is a run-of-the-mill everyday cigar, but we're smoking 20, 20, 25 cigars a week. For somebody who's smoking one cigar a month or one cigar every two or three months, and you, you know, you, you're not buying Cuban tobacco, you're either getting a mild Dominican, you want something Nicaraguan that's not going to knock you around, this might be the one for you. Yep. What I find interesting too here is that Rocky Patel says that the strength profile of this line is medium full, and I don't, I'm not feeling that yet. Medium. I would say this is just touching medium yeah, for me. It's fine. It's accurate. So this also comes in two other sizes. I wanted to mention that obviously tonight we're smoking the Robusto 50 by five and a half. Comes in a Toro 52 by six and a half, and it comes in a Gordo, which uh, is the 60, uh, separate from the 60 line, celebrating his 60th birthday which is 6 by 60 which has kind of become a classic uh, Rocky Patel size, is that 6 by 60 The horror of Halloween is creeping into Rooster's mind. As <laughs> I, I'm, just, about I'm just, I'm just uh, in my head, I'm thinking I just saw like a ghost. the size yeah. 6 by 60 and I'm like, oh, the pain. The pain that I would have to endure to smoke a 60 ring the gauge horror. of this. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pagoda, what were you smoking this in? Yeah, the were- Gordo. Oh six, wow! Six wow, that's a big cigar. Wow, yeah. he's a glutton for punishment. And we still befriended you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'd argue we saved them. <laughs> you did save me. It's uh, changed. It's a nice, beautiful white ash, beautifully constructed. Yeah, the construction is good. The draw yep. is good. Yeah. You know, I know your favorite term is stacking dimes. I'm stacking dimes here on this ash. It's very nice. But you, you know, by the way, the Oliveri does not have uh, the San Andres Rabbit just to follow up on. Uh, but you know uh, the La Historia El Senador mm-hmm. that does. from EP Creo, yeah, which performed very well on the pod. Yeah, it's a great cigar. Not the same price, right? I think that might be Cheap. a little more than cheaper. a little more. It's cheaper. No. Oh, excuse cheaper. me. Uh, okay. It was under ten. Okay, yeah. but that was definitely a lot more flavorful than this. I agree. Right. Mm-hmm. Actually, I would put this closer, if my memory serves me well, to the Calavera, to the. Pledge <laughs> the pledge prequel that we did. Pledge prequel, yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. I yeah. would put this like more that. in line with that because I remember we were smoking that cigar, which obviously was the number one cigar of the year, two or three years ago, kind of right around when we started doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I remember smoking it, acquiring it, and, it, and people were raving about it. I feel like we were having a similar conversation about its flavor profile and its kind of being timid or muted and not a lot of complexity there. We didn't really like that cigar. We didn't rate it well. No. Though. No, we much preferred the uh, the, the. I think this La is Historia. better. This is better than that cigar. Uh, I think for the, me. Uh, I think the second half of the the pledge was really really bad. Yeah, I, th- I think the memory served me right. This is a better cigar than that, I think. So the other thing that Rocky does too is he has uh, a line of cigar lounges called Burn. He opened uh, the first one in Naples. It's called Burn by Rocky Patel, and then he also has other lounges. In Oklahoma City, Indianapolis, Atlanta, and Pittsburgh, and I remember Senator, you telling us a little story. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh yeah, how, I feel like it's a long time ago, probably yeah. a year or year and a half ago, about being at the Burn by Rocky Patel Lounge in Pittsburgh and having a so uh, interesting the, experience. I'll say mostly good things, and then just one frustrating experience I had there. The one thing I'll give it a lot of credit for: the location is fantastic. I was at a Pittsburgh Pirates uh, baseball game, and. I didn't even know this. I just walk out after the game trying to figure out like, oh, where can we get a drink post game? Literally two blocks from the stadium is this cigar lounge. I'm like, perfect. I mean, all these people are just kind of funneling in from the game. So great foot traffic. 
it's a beautifully designed lounge, very modern, very new. There's like this beautiful big marble bar in the center, seating all around, outdoor seating. Now, here's where some people may love this. I didn't. Um, there was like a DJ, like blaring music. I mean, I'm not really sure that I'm going to a cigar lounge for a nightclub kind of vibe. No, so no. that was a little questionable of a decision for me. Um, and then just the most bizarre part is I go in the humidor to buy cigars. I buy some nice stuff like some Padron. I'm not sure if they had dab it up, but I, I know I definitely got Padron there. And I go and I, I pay for them and I sit down and I'm waiting for someone to come over, bring a lighter, matches. Drink first menu. Of all, drink, first of all, I expected there to be matches like on the table. Most of these places, like, you know, just have their little matchbooks and um, no matches on the table. 10, 15 minutes goes by. Nobody comes over. I'm just sitting there dying to light these cigars. So I finally asked someone, I said, excuse me, are there matches somewhere? Person tells me, no, we don't have matches. I'm like, okay, do you have a lighter? No, I don't have a lighter on me. I ask another person, do you have a lighter matches? No, I don't have. I had to ask three people, all of whom said they did not have it. I finally got up and went to the manager and I said, I'm sorry, I purchased this from you here at this point, like 20, 25 minutes ago. I can't find matches or a lighter to light this. And I said, you don't have somewhere you have matchbooks? And this person literally says to me, Rocky Patel doesn't believe in matches. So how how are you expected to light that cigar? First of all, that's an outrageous statement. It's absurd. Do they, do they give like two stones? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. You get a magnifying glass, you got to go yeah, by a geez. window. It's also to say you don't believe in matches. How do you think cigars were lit before butane lighters existed <laughs> with right. fucking matches? <laughs> I mean, Puba would say cedar spills. Right. Cedar spills. <laughs> I mean, it's just absurd. So it's like, and I'm not a big matches guy. I, I prefer butane lighter, but... It's like I at least respect people who choose to use matches, and it makes obvious sense why they have them in a cigar lounge. So I thought that was so bizarre. And then the person's telling me, like, oh, sorry that they told you they don't have lighters. The people have walked off with them, so, like, I have one, but we don't really like to give the staff. I'm like, how do people light the cigars they purchase here? And so I had to, like, beg the person to give me the lighter and actually let me bring it to the table, and I would bring it back. I'm like, you see how much I just spent on these cigars? If you think I want to walk away with your $5 lighter, believe me, I do not. <laughs> and so, I like, I light the cigar. I have but- never been to a lounge where you ever. cannot find not you know, ever. something to light your cigar. Not, exactly. It's, it's, it's part of the course. It, it, Dude, it's like going to a restaurant. We don't, we're out no of forks. forks and knives. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry. That's what right. are you supposed to do? It was just crazy. That's outrageous. So that was just really frustrating. Like, that's the one thing that left a sour taste for me with that experience. The bar was great. I remember the drinks were very good. Um, it's a nice space. I just think they need to kind of rework the, the service orientation to understand what the customer actually needs, which is to light the cigars that they purchased uh, The there. basics. Yeah. yeah. Is, is it also a restaurant or just a bar? I don't remember food. If there was, it's very light bites. I know I didn't see anybody with like a full meal. Because I thought you visited the um, the Florida location, no? I did not. No, I've been to some other lounges. Uh, I'm on the east side of Florida. Okay. He's in he's in Naples. Naples, got it. Okay. Um, so I'm, I've actually, I don't think I've ever been in Naples. Okay. I've only been on the east coast. So I go to a lot of the uh, Smoke Inn mm-hmm. locations, well, which they have a big, uh, they have a popular. Uh, and a lot of lighters. And a lot of lighters. But well, they have a lot of locations on the yeah, east coast. Yeah, the one closer to you is in Fort Lauderdale at that Guitar Hard Rock Hotel. There's yes. a Davidoff. There's a Davidoff, Davidoff there. I haven't been to that one either, but I, I was there. there. Yeah, beautiful, yeah. beautiful spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you know, Florida. They have a lot of lounges down there. Sure, you know, very, they're very lucky in that way. Yeah, Miami too. I mean, there's tons of lounges. That's true. It is odd the locations of these burned by Rocky Patel lounges. I mean, if you think of like the big major cities, he's not in any of them. Yeah, 
Naples, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, <laughs> Oklahoma City, Atlanta, <laughs> cheap rent. Or Atlanta would cheap be the rent. only one. <laughs> you know, you know what's really interesting is I think the location in Atlanta is right by the baseball stadium because oh wow, that's smart. I think smart. a buddy of mine was, or by some convention center, I'm not sure, because a buddy of mine was getting out of somewhere and he also bumped into a Rocky Patel. No, it's uh, very like, clever. Yeah, I mean, I, I love lounge. that. Can you imagine like going to a Yankees or a Mets game here in like the New York market and two blocks down there being sure. a cigar lounge after yeah. the game? Yeah, Which also plays, it also plays into the DJ kind of atmosphere. Someone coming out of a sporting yeah. event, sure. wanting to continue drinking, have a cigar. It's a little different than a bunch of, you know, a bunch of us sitting down and, you know, talking about the stock market and Teslas and watches and alcohol and whatever else you love that about. tesla tesla <laughs> i just tesla. said that to annoy you <laughs> by the way it is pronounced with an s thank you bam i'm not arguing that on the pod all right okay guess <laughs> <laughs> good timing that was perfect. that's funny <laughs> so the other thing that rocky does is he's a primary sponsor and i believe host of the Cigar Smoking World Championship. This is also should be called the Rooster. Wait, See, I was going to say we should enter Rooster into this. So Rocky provides a... Is that true? Yes. It, With he, an Alar Gordo, if it, we can. <laughs> not if I have to smoke a Rocky. But <laughs> is this the one where you're laying in bed? No. No. You have, a, you have them mixed up. That's a different, different event. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a different bed. competition. <laughs> That's not smoking cigars. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I heard there what was videos one, you've been watching. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're laying down and you're smoking Make, naked. No, I wish. No, <laughs> what? I heard there's a there's something like this, and if you're smoking it like this, laying down and no, there's this something is, like I, that. I think this. I think it's the same, but it's you're not laying down, but okay. you and you're definitely not in a bed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, they, they roll like thirty beds into the burn by Rocky Patel. <laughs> Twin size beds. Oh my god! You get to pick your pillow and. Golden sheets. <laughs> Were you talking about the competition where who can smoke the slowest? Yeah, yes, that's what this is. That's the one. That's, that's the one. what I'm talking about. But that's, I thought that's they're what all. You, that's what you're talking that's about. That's what too. I. Okay. Maybe they lay down. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know what Bam's watching, but um, <laughs> pretty wild. So they provide a. You know, it's a consistent Rocky Patel cigar for all the participants. It looks like it's either a Corona or a Robusto type of size. Uh, very similar uh, in uh, makeup to. The cigar we're smoking now, uh, Mexican wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan and Honduran filler. What's interesting is, you know, they don't have the rules posted. I'm pretty familiar with the rules. You can't let it go out. The, the whole idea is you're not allowed to relight the cigar after the first light. And then you have to see how long you can maintain that cigar smoking without relighting it. And whoever is the longest wins. So if you can believe all top five cigar smokers smoke this i think it's a corona or a robusto for over 208 minutes number three was 225 minutes and number two and number one were even beyond that wow so you're talking what is that four hours four hours on a robusto or a corona that's right in line with Ro Rooster's no, pace. <laughs> we should take we should, much longer. We should put yeah. Rooster in this competition, Senator. What do you uh, think? Oh, I'm, I, I want to see this. <laughs> and, and, and I think uh, if, if we send Rooster in the morning at breakfast time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, boys, we're about, I would say, halfway through the cigar right now. A bit less. Yeah. I'm coming up on the, uh, I'm coming up near the band. What do you think? I, I, I'm not 
Not hating, I'm hating it. it. Nope. I've I've tempered my expectations of of what I think a, a, a Nicaraguan cigar should be in you know in strength, um, you know, and flavor wise, I think it's a little muted, but it's not bad. No, I like the spice. There's a little sweetness. There's a little kind of saltiness on the front of my tongue right now. I am right there with you. I'm not complaining. Uh, inch and three quarter ash here. Yeah, yeah, you've bright got a white, lot of ash. Bright white. Let's see the structure. Let's see how long, how many taps. One, one. One tap right on the floor. Well done, Ben. <laughs> yes, sir. For the listener, dice. when I tell you he put it over the ashtray and it all went right on the floor. I underestimated the length I, of that ash. I don't think it's on the floor. It's in the ice bucket, no, I think. No, right next to it. Oh, jeez. Man, please don't lay down. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of cigar lounges, uh, just briefly, I saw, because I, I love to celebrate this, I saw that uh, Wisconsin just introduced a bill uh, allowing for new cigar bars, which I guess they had it in quite some time. So uh, they have 22 sponsors in the state assembly, six members in the Senate. I mean, just fantastic to That's see cool. more lounges being built, allowing more communities like this to be created i mean this is you know around the country so many of our friends so many lizards out there have joined lounges or Mm -hmm. at lounges well before listening to this podcast yeah and they all say the same thing and it's just their coolest most tight group of friends that they most relate to at this point in their life are at that cigar lounge it's your home away from home absolutely yeah i mean this is huge because in all these cities really it's the cigar lounges that are allowed to persist are the ones that are grandfathered in. Obviously, anything new really can't open. So in Wisconsin, the law was any cigar lounge that existed prior to 2009 could continue to exist, but everything after that, you you couldn't get a new license to do it. So um, this is huge. I mean, honestly, like this opens up a whole new world for other lounges, obviously there. Other states have done similar. We might have talked about this. Connecticut recently did exactly the same thing. I don't know what year their cutoff was, but now Connecticut is going to open up and allow other new lounges to come about. And then even states, it says Nevada, North Dakota, Montana, and Idaho are kind of all following suit. So that's wonderful. Um, we just kind of need that to hit the coast. Yeah. That would be ideal. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, but even in New Jersey, I think you can still, you know, despite how we're pretty fortunate up here. Yeah. You know, how restricted some things are in the state here. We've talked about some of them on the pod, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, um, uh, there's a quite a few cigar lounges yeah. around here, and no, a lot true. have opened up recently. Like our, this lounge that we're at here, 1086, which is certainly old. our home away from home, is only three years old. That's right. So to to, it's true. It's like the big coastal cities. So like New York, they don't allow yeah. any new cigar lounges. Uh, San Francisco, nope. exactly the same thing. L.A. I have to imagine is the same, but I'm not positive. Don't forget that new Cohiba Lounge just opened out there in the L.A. The Red Dot Lounge. That's I right. thought that was. It, I don't think it was in L.A. It's um. Let me look. Um, San Diego has actually quite a few lounges. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Never been there. Great city. I hear. Best weather, I think, in the oh. entire country. Uh, Santa Barbara. San Santa Barbara. Santa yeah, Barbara. The, the new yeah. Cohiba so Lounge, close to L.A. Yeah, not too. Yeah. Yeah, pretty close to LA, but nice. I mean, man, they spent some money on this thing too. I mean, it is really, really nice. It's another beautiful city, Santa Barbara. Yeah. 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 So I heard, like in uh, Long Island, um, somebody just uh, renovated a cigar lounge and put in like eight million bucks. Wow! And it's above a restaurant. It's a lot of cigars. I believe in the Eisenhower Park. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, so there. There's a demand for it, and it's growing, and people are investing. Um, 
but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's great to see them opening, especially coming from a city where there are no lounges at all. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's a lot of these cities take this into their own hands. Like in New York State, there are outside of New York City itself, you can open cigar lounges. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a perfect example right out on Long Island. But like Manhattan, <laughs> they just don't allow it. Mm-hmm. Same thing like LA, San Francisco. Then you get a little outside of LA, Santa Barbara, and they're apparently allowed to open a lounge. So I just hope some of these cities, you know, start to get a little more reasonable and yeah. just let people do what they want. And it's also like, you know, the benefit of this community, it's like you have the friendship, the mental health component of sitting down. Quite honestly, when you light a cigar, you're committing to that sit, right? The mental health component of that quietness, the friendship, getting away from work or the home. Like, it, to me, it's like I don't understand why it's being so restricted when you're not hurting anybody. And you walk into these lounges, it's not like you're walking into a plume of smoke. There's smoke eaters. There's filtration. Like the room is clear. It's clean. Yeah. Um, it's just amazing to me that that because it's tobacco and they tie it to kids, they tie it to cigarettes, they tie it to blunts, it's just it's unfortunate this premium product is 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 so restricted, you know, at the state level mm-hmm. in a lot of places. So what about the drink over here? Yeah, let's talk about this. <laughs> it's it's become so cloudy. <laughs> the ice, that's true. <laughs> it looks like iced tea. It does. It really does. I'm really looking forward to trying. Hill Rock. Zip here. It's the Hill Rock, right? The Hill Rock Double Cask Rye Whiskey. So this was sent in by a listener, actually. Yeah, he uh, uh, listen, uh, actually hit us up and said, hey, can you send a, you know send me your address? I want to send you guys some... Um, some spirits to try because we were talking about upstate New York, like pretty close to us, uh, distilleries. And Hill Rock is located in Ancram, New York, and they've been putting out some really delicious bourbon rye and single malt whiskeys. He certainly he says him he himself has a strong preference for the cask strength rye, but he chose the two he sent tonight. We're having uh, the double cask Saturnese finished rye. Uh, he chose these because they're interesting, approachable, and, and enjoyable with or without ice. And he's fairly certain that the bourbon was finished in a four-square rum cask, which he knows is beloved by most listeners. So this is actually quite delicious with ice, I will say. Um, first of all, I'm so fast. We're all fascinated by get, getting gifts from a listener. It's, it's incre- incredible. It really is incredible. This is actually a, it's a, amazing. A, this is actually a very smooth rye. Yeah. Um, it it does need a bit of ice. I will say. I tried it neat. It's it's. It's a little tough to get down, but with ice, it's actually quite enjoyable, very smooth, and a little sweet. I mean, it's an overproof spirit. It's 90 proof. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's definitely going to pack a, a punch. punch. Uh, but I will say, I mean, I knew nothing about this distillery, uh, obviously, just looking a little bit up once the, the listener had sent it. They've got a really cool story. So, like, really, any of these whiskey distilleries, there's not a single one that I I, I would challenge any listener to tell me of a distillery where every single thing that goes into making that from growing to manufacturing it is all done on the estate on their property. And, you know, we always make these analogs to wine, like some of the most expensive wines are like estate grown. Everything's actually done there. 90% of wines, obviously they're, they're sourcing stuff from other places and then obviously blending it, making it there. Um, so they grow mill distill and age all their rye there. Uh, the thing that was fascinating, even just historically about New York. So this is made in New York state. And uh, in the 1800s, New York produced more than half of the nation's barley and rye. 
Wow. Which wow. I had no idea. I would have had no idea about that. Yeah. So apparently, like, the growing conditions are just really great there. And then it was obviously, like, prohibition and, like, thousands of these farms just went by the wayside. And, and obviously, New York is no longer necessarily known for that. So they kind of build themselves as a field to glass, like, you know, farm to table. <laughs> farm to like table, Everything yeah. really is done there, which is cool. I have to say the tasting notes were kind of funny to me. There's one in here. God, that, by the way, that's my new favorite thing that we do on this podcast is read the tasting can notes. Can you please do that right Because they're it's always great. wrong. <laughs> Ready, so, go. Here we go. <laughs> the end result is a deep, rich rye that shows off espresso toffee. Now buckle up for this one. Honey Sar- Sarsaparilla. 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 Well, well, it's, sorry, I just, love that just, Senator ruined the no, pronunciation. No, no. Yes. Well, I, this is why. Can, can I, can I spell this? It. Can I spell this? Ready? S-A-R-S-A. Okay. So I said Sars. Any, any linguist would know that the That's R is true. silent. <laughs> <laughs> right, Bam? Yeah. Just, just making sure it's clear that I can read. That, that's how it's spelled. Uh, By Caramel. the way, the next time I mess up a... Uh, uh, pronunciation and it gives me shit about it i'm gonna spell it out so what can, we, what, can you keep that as a clip that's a clip so what what is that <laughs> it's like root beer yes yeah, sarsaparilla that's like right root beer. Mm-hmm. no thank you all right um, i don't get that by the way caramel and then it says the finish reverberates with long echoes of clove dried orange peel nutmeg and baker's chocolate all notes that sound great yeah you guys getting any of that <laughs> <laughs> i don't think so no, I'm not. It's pleasant. I mean, I'm not gonna. It's, I kind of like it with ice. I can right. drink this again. Yeah, I really, I like it. I do too. Just smell the nose of it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice like the, the holidays in a glass. Yeah, and I think that's where Foursquare. If they finish it in Foursquare barrels, that's probably where it comes from. The bottle is really cool. I was cool about design. to say the design is beautiful. The spirit, the color, of the spirit's awesome. The way that these were packed, I, I was like, what are these? You know, the in the box it came in from Elias, I guess, sent it from a, a, a distributor. Uh, and it, it came in these like really bundled bubble wrap. And I'm like, what are these things? And I pulled them out. And it like, you know, like Rooster's saying, it's these square, you know, bottles that unlike anything I think I've seen. I mean, they're, it's, it, it, they were pretty significant when they came out. That's a handsome presentation. Yeah. It was a beautiful nice. bottle. Yeah, sure. So, you know, like Bam was saying, it's just so cool. Thank you so much for sending us uh, these bottles. And we're going to try the other one down the road. But um, we really, really appreciate the love from the listeners. This is it's it's been amazing. Where where are they located? Um, Ancram, New York. Yeah, Ancram. But where where is Ancram? Never heard of it. It's about twenty five miles from where or twenty five minutes from where we are right now. I think oh, it's right all? over the border. You know, it pairs nicely with the cigar. I think it pairs very nicely. Yeah, I agree. Right. It does have the. Uh, I guess. You know, it really cleanses your palate in a way. Like I haven't felt that in a rye before. It has that orange. It does have that orange peel. This is sweeter than most rice I've had, honestly. And I'm glad for that. Yeah, yeah. That that's the thing. So how they age this in two different casks? I was reading how um, the second one is to balance for. It's like a lot of rice typically are very spicy, and it's to balance out the spice with some more like sweet caramel notes. So it was very intentional on their part. Makes sense. Like I've had the bullet rye, not as sweet as this, and the whistle pig. I think is more sophisticated than this. A different type of rye, both very good. Can't complain. Yeah, I think it's pairing very well with the cigar. Mm-hmm. I think it works. So pagoda, we're talking so positively about lounges and smoking freely, and nice smoking communities and experiences. You just came back from Toronto. You mean North Korea? <laughs> <laughs> 
I heard a constable was chasing you. You sent a photo street. of you smoking against a brick wall. We thought you might have. With a cigar in his hand. <laughs> I was actually hiding and smoking. You could see I was. You, you were against corner. a brick wall. Yeah, I was against a brick wall between two side walls. I found this little nook and I was smoking over there because. Um, so, what happened is I didn't know whether they would allow you to smoke cigars. So, in Toronto, uh, you can go to the. You can smoke outside anywhere, apparently. And so I went, I went up to uh, uh, the reception and said, is it all right if I smoke outside? And they said, sure, of course. Then I went and I, there's a beautiful patio with a fireplace in, uh, in the middle of the patio. So I just took a little chair, went all the way in the back, right by the, by the wall, and I started smoking there. And that was the first time. Then after that, it just opened up and we all were smoking in the patio but yeah i was a bit nervous going there because of rooster's experience and i was like again oh. again rooster's horrific stories yeah <laughs> <laughs> first the rocky patel and now toronto <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah. halloween it is it is the spooktacular yeah so um i was a bit nervous um you know because i really enjoy cigars and it gives me the break even when i'm uh, on a short trip away and it was great um yeah so Wonderful times. A lot of people got together. I was there for a wedding. Uh, we were smoking around uh, the fireplace in a really nice patio. We put our music on and a fantastic, fantastic evening. That's cool. And the weather cooperated at least two of the three days I was there. So. I love a fall wedding. If I have to go to yeah. a wedding, I like a fall wedding. Because you don't sweat in your You're suit. not because sweating. you can wear a hoodie to the wedding. <laughs> you can wear That's a hoodie. True. It's hoodie weather. <laughs> it's hoodie weather. So, did you go to any cigar places, any cigar lounges, or oh, there are no lounges, but no, any retail shops, anything like that? No. So, uh, two things. I did ask around. There are no lounges. Um, I think in a prior episode, I might have mentioned that I'd uh, bumped into a lizard at Carnegie, who actually reached out to me this weekend and said, "Hey, uh, you know, what are you up to?" He had actually invited me over, uh, you know, uh, to the location to. I think his friend's garage, uh, they smoke over there. And um, although this wedding, I was just really tied up in the wedding and I couldn't get the time out to be able to really research and, you know, go to, he was in a different different part of town. Um, but it was a fantastic um, experience because, you know, once we figured out that we could smoke at the hotel and it had a really good spot, it was just uh, wonderful. You, ha you have to be away. That's shocking. I mean, the law is you have to be 30 meters away. But he can it. smoke at a hotel? That's amazing. Yeah. On the property, alive. but you have to be away from the building. I wow. Guess. Right. All right. So did you buy any cigars? Would no. So I, I didn't even go around uh, looking for cigars. But on the way back, I you know I dropped by the duty-free. I said, all right, maybe uh, let me look at a few Cubans. I could not figure out. There was a, ver a very small humidor. And everything was covered in these brown wrappers. And there were some new worlds covered in brown wrappers as well. And they weren't described well. And so I was trying to figure out what, what cigars are these. It was so bad. It just looked like a little <laughs> brown patch. And, uh, yeah, it was um, really disappointing that, uh, you know, you're in the duty-free in Canada where they do import Cubans. And uh, you just don't know what they are. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah you get a nice you know, little mystery box. In, ca in Canada, all cigars <laughs> are equal. It's, it's, like, it's like if a like, life is a box of chocolates, you don't know which one you get. That's right. So you don't know. The, the entire country is like basically against tobacco. It's like anti cigar, anti tobacco, anti everything. 
But yet you can smoke weed in every fucking corner, right? See, that's crazy. Yeah. And you know, I mean, there's shops everywhere. Every cannabis. Am I right? Yeah. Did you see that? It's cannabis stores everywhere. Look, you can drive a car high, but you would never want to drive. No, it for that's true. <laughs> God forbid. They, they're right. And if you, know you get any in your lungs, it's just you, you know have it's to a real wonder problem for if you. If the cannabis locations are government owned, and if they are, no, they're not. They're private. They're owned. just highly taxed. Oh, is that right? They're highly yeah. taxed. Okay, but, okay. Yeah. But like, what was what was interesting was I met a couple of Canadians at the hotel, and they said the irony of it all is that Canada is a, like really really important to the Cuban economy because it's been one of those places where everyone over there goes for tourism, like. You know how we go to Mexico, a lot of these guys end up going to Cuba. Yeah. And so they really support the Cuban economy from that perspective. And the fact that you're not able to get cigars there, you know, you think it's a two-way stream. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if you could buy a Cuban cigar, the taxes on it are crazy. They're ludicrous. Yeah, yeah the import taxes are hundreds of I mean, percent. a D4 Did is like 70, 70 US dollars. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and the money too. I think uh, we'd cover that. And you, I mean, you were in Montreal. Montreal you remember yeah. what you yeah. paid for that? Oh, that was yeah. Was it eighty, eighty-five bucks? Yeah, around eighty bucks. Yeah. Wow. I mean, only thing is Montreal is a little bit laxed with the with the laws. I mean, you can still kind of smoke. There's some lounges there. Uh, although the LCDH has been closed since, but they used to be. You, you used to be able to smoke in there. Yeah, uh, yeah. The LCDH had a beautiful bar behind yeah. the store. And uh, really good leather couches and a bar right in the end, and really really good whiskeys uh, available as well. Yeah, no, it was it was not a bad experience overall, but yeah, for someone who's looking for a retail store or a lounge, it's it's just become extremely difficult. Yeah, I mean there are some private lounges, but you have to, like membership, membership only private lounges. Yeah. yeah, sure. You know what's crazy too? What you know you you know we're talking about that you can get Cubans there, you can also get. New World cigars there, right? The cigars that we can get, but they're so highly taxed that it's even prohibitive even to get a, a, a Davidoff or a Padron or a Rocky Patel we have in our hand. They, it's you know We look at it like, oh, well, they can get Cuban cigars. We can't. It's actually the entire cigar offering in Canada is such a miss because of this, reg, you know, the regulation and the pricing problems with the tax. Also, the, the it's just they're trying to shut down tobacco. Yeah, and the cloaking of the bans. Yeah, that doesn't make it easy. And the cloaking of the brand, the bans too. Let's not forget has also limited not only in Cuban cigars but also in these New World cigars. Yeah, how many imports w- imports are actually coming in because the lines have been restricted because Canada doesn't let the manufacturer like Rocky Patel right to ship the cigar. He cannot put these bands on them. He puts a simple band, and then he has to put that brown band before they're imported. So it creates more work, more labor. I'm curious for, if it's even worth it. it that's the problem. Really? Yeah, what's the point of it? I mean, what are, they, what are they actually achieving, accomplishing by doing that? No, I can tell you that I, they are achieving it because I really had a difficult time trying to figure out what cigars there were on display. So... You know, it's unless you're really seeking them out, if you're walking by them, you're not gonna it's there's something to be said that No 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 but what what are they preventing? Are they preventing kids? Kids from like uh, But does smoking? a kid know the difference between a padrone and a yeah. Davidoff? I mean don't <laughs> you are they think gonna pursue it? I mean he's not gonna buy a seventy dollar uh part of his D four to begin with. No. Nah. You mean you've never seen a kid in an airport at the duty free trying to buy a seventy dollar yeah. D four? All the you time. Know. I mean, All this happens time. everywhere. Except yeah. for Rooster, he was eight smoking an exclusiva. Okay. 
no, it is crazy. And I mean, it's just, it, it, it's an interesting mentality. I, I'd love to under, I'd love to meet the guy who, who in, introduced this initially, however many years ago it was to try to kill the, the, the premium handmade cigar, you know, industry up there. But it's like, you know, again, you, you have these incredible products that people want to smoke. They're not inhaling the cigars. And then you you put the 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 onus you put that burden on the manufacturers to to label them with these plain bands that that Pagoda's talking about. It's like if I'm one of these manufacturers, if I'm Rocky Patel and I have a hundred lines and I want to import them, I'm not importing a hundred lines of cigars yeah. into Canada. I'm going to import three. Yeah. And now you've restricted the offering, which is of course what they want. But it's just really unfortunate for the the Canadian people that they're not able to get the cigars that they want and have the same experience as we do. I mean, the whole thing is just so stupid because, look, if their goal is essentially to phase this product out, have the balls to say, we're going to ban cigars. And guess what's going to happen? People are going to be up in arms, and some of these legislators that vote for that are going to get booted out of office. Like, have the gumption to actually go as far as they clearly want to go. But instead of doing that, they want to play this little stupid game of they're we're going to wrap stuff up ambiguous. and do all this. Yeah. And it's like, well, people can still get it. So, right, they're not taking as much flack as they would if they banned them. I, just the whole thing is a silly game. I, I just, I don't understand how people operate like what this. What did they do with cigarettes? No, so this is this is the irony of it all. There were groups of guys and women hanging out and smoked cigarettes on, you know, because it was a huge patio. Closer to the building? Uh, all all around, everybody was on the patio. But if I had a cigar, I'd be told, to, you got to go over there. No, no I was all, told. It's all tobacco. It's, I see. Yeah. Yeah. No, but are, are the Marlboro packets also like wrapped in uh, brown well, paper? No, I didn't see them. They were, they, <laughs> but they were smoking cigarettes. So a lot of them were. But, mm. um, I mean, yeah. at the duty-free shop, did you see any cigarettes like that were wrapped up also? Yeah, I, th- I think I didn't. Uh, I think in the cigarette packs they had those images. Um, oh, the the labels. Yeah, the labels. The warning labels. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Strange. That's insane. Yeah. Crazy. So back to the United States. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just about to say Toronto's out. <laughs> <laughs> Toronto's out. Check. <laughs> you know, I I like having this discussion about Canada as often as we do because we have a lot of Canadian lizards who write in like, you guys are you know telling this story like we have a real problem. I have I I think I told you guys one of my friends is a cigar reviewer in Canada, and he's like terrified when he lights up in his garage and puts his exhaust fan that his neighbor's going to call and complain on. That's him. unreal. That's and unreal. This guy reviews cigars for a living. Can you imagine that in America? I would say to my neighbor, I dare you. <laughs> I know. I mean, can you imagine <laughs> someone calling the police saying that someone in their own home is smoking a cigar and I can smell it on my lawn? I mean, you know what? that's just absurd. Fuck that. I'd put a lawn chair right in front of my house. Right. Pull my tower up onto the grass. Here you go. <laughs> and start smoking. Only if the string lights are working. That's right. <laughs> they are. <laughs> So back to the United States for a second. The FDA again, um, not only so we 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 discussed this I think briefly on a previous episode, but they're appealing the ruling of Judge Mehta with the uh, decision to prevent the FDA from regulating uh, handmade premium cigars. But the FDA is also preparing to now issue a final rule prohibiting flavored cigars. Period, which we discussed, targeting of course the flavored cigars that are colorfully pla- packaged. Named things like Berry Fusion, Ice Donut, Cherry Dynamite, Watermelon. 
widely available and priced as cheaply as, you know, 33 cents a piece. The problem is they're lumping in, you know, $11 Rocky Patels or $14 Padron Exclusivos or $29, you know, Davidoff Millenniums into the category of 33 cent mm-hmm. flavored stuff the kids are buying because they're sugar flavored, you know, yeah. tobacco products that give them a little high. And they're probably cutting them or, you know, unrolling them and putting weed in there and rolling mm-hmm. them back up and making spliffs out of them. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, it's, it's just like, we're talking about two different things and I just can't understand how the United States government or the Canadian government can't separate them effectively. Aren't there some, a few major markets that do sell flavored cigars? Yeah. Well, I think, right. You know, many acid and that acid, that could be part part of the problem. If the manufacturing was separated from the actual high level quality cigars. I think Java, obviously from Rocky Patel, there's some infusion in Probably. there. That's ridiculous. There's that like Pappy Van Winkle cigar. There's like a Maker's Mark cigar. I mean, the problem is, so, you know, at some point we're going to have to have um, uh, some of the Philly Blunts. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite in Blueberry. White Owl. White Owl. At some point we're going to have to have um, some of the folks from Cigar Association of America on. Yeah, we have to and do I that. And I say this because, I mean, they number one, they're the lead plaintiff in this case. It's Cigar Association versus the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. And on the whole flavored issue, I had lunch with the the president of CAA in DC. And I mean, I'll be honest, going into this lunch, I I I wasn't all that I didn't have as much of a problem, honestly, with banning flavored cigars because I don't smoke them. So it really didn't, you know, impact me. But Agreed. and we had that discussion we on the podcast we saying did. the same exact thing. So yeah, we did. This is really interesting. And yeah. That's why I really want to have um David, who's the the president there and CEO on um, and we've been talking about this because their perspective is very different. And it took one lunch for me to start to actually embrace why their position is what it is. And it's this slippery slope, right? It's this idea that if the FDA can come in and say, well, this type of cigar we don't want people to have, then what's to stop them from saying other types of cigars? Like, too. At, you know, yeah. at what point, if, if the whole premise is that this is an adult product, that the industry has not only said, 18 has self-regulated and said, we want to increase to 21 years of age, right? To really make sure that no minor gets their hands on this. If that's the whole legal structure of this, then who's to say a grown adult can't choose a flavored cigar? That's you right. know, I may not want to smoke one, but who's saying a 40-year-old guy or girl can't go pick up a Pappy Van Winkle cigar? It's just, that's where government has gone too far. And so their stance is like, if we give an inch on this, like, they're going to take gonna a mile. They're yeah. correct. Yeah. Also, from the point of view of revenue, I'm going to guess that they sell a lot of those flavored cigars yeah, nationwide. I think for a lot of those, I, you know, for Drew Estate, it's certainly their number one seller. Is yeah, acid. it's important from right. the point which, of view of business. That's the thing. Which and helps them develop cigars that we love. Correct. Right. That's, the, right. that's the other operative point. Like, this is where, you know, I really started to evolve on this because even if we're not smoking those cigars, the margins that they make on those cigars, they help keep costs low for all the stuff that we smoke. It, it really helps just broadly the entire industry. Yeah. Great point. The other thing I wanted to point out here too, and I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about this with the uh, president of CAA when we have you know him on. The FDA keeps throwing out that there are 500,000 youth in the United States currently using cigars each day. And more than 800 youth are trying cigars for the first time each day. Now, that says to me that these these kids are getting, again, they're getting cigars, you know, and they're opening them and they're they're putting weed in them. 
Likely. Correct. That's, and, likely. And that's some what of those, doing. I'm sure, are Philly blunts. Yes. And I'm yes. sorry. That's right. Anything with a plastic tip on the end <laughs> is not a cigar. No, it's not a cigar. By definition, a premium cigar, this is what this is what CAA will say, PCA, and any organization that advocates on behalf of this industry, a premium cigar is an entirely handmade natural cigar. That's right. You can't have a plastic tip on it and call it a premium cigar. Yeah, and aren't flavored cigars primarily machine-made? They have, uh, they have, there must be. Because yeah, they're injecting, yes. yeah, they, yeah, they, they are. They, yeah, yeah, so they're they injecting are. a flavor. So there could be some distinction there in a manufacturing process, right? And they can identify that and distinguish these, these, this product yeah, but one, from the premium cigars. If you do that. And legislate that. You no, know, but if you do that, there's a lot of guys who smoke machine-made Correct. Cigars, yeah, that's true. That are not flavored. And it goes back to the so, slippery slope that you mentioned. Yeah. Sure. The other thing, too, you know, here's a good example. You know, Travis Kelsey the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, do we have to is talk the, about him? Oh, boy. Is the biggest thing in the world right now. Is <laughs> the biggest you know star in the world right now because why. of his Taylor Swift thing. Right. We're not going to talk about that. On his birthday a couple weeks ago, he was photographed purchasing a, two packs of Dutch Masters at a 7-Eleven. And what is everybody saying under the comments? They're not saying, oh, he's enjoying cigars, he's smoking tobacco. They're laughing that he got caught buying Dutch Masters because he's then going to take them and put weed in them. That's the that's what they're for. Oh. That's what they're for. And even you look at these comments like everybody under the, on these Twitter threads know that Travis Kelsey's buying that not because a Dutch Master tastes great or he's mm-hmm. going to smoke them. There's another purpose to them. Wow. And weed is available legally by and the way. And weed is yeah. available everywhere. Wow. It's not illegal. Wow. So it's like it, it's just a crazy concept to me that that this is taking down or they're trying to take down an industry that that we so love. And I think the other point too with CAA and and their fight is it's not even close to over. You know, every time the FDA appeals this, Senator, what do you think? Does that add two, three, five years onto the whole process? Yeah, and millions more that they're gonna have to pay in, in legal fees. Litigation. Which yeah. then comes ridiculous. back to us as the consumers funding that effort through the the price of cigars. Right. Just crazy. So, boys, we're into the last third here on the Rocky Patel AOR second edition Robusto. Second half has been pretty damn good. Not bad. What I do you guys say? Think? The final third, I do actually think, gets medium full. I agree. Yeah. I think we're here now. Yeah. Rooster, this is where it actually is smoking at a strength that you would like. It's not the strength, there is no flavor. <laughs> <laughs> Did you put the cigar down? Can you cut his mic? I might have to. <laughs> I was about to say, you just did the pooba. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I think it's still smoking pretty smooth. It's not offensive at all in any way. And with the spirit that we're drinking, it tastes quite nice. It's a good combo. Yeah, I'm very happy with the pairing tonight. I am too. So the other thing I wanted to talk about, boys, was uh, Cigar Aficionado uh, put out, I guess, a report from their Cigar Insider. They did a survey of shops around the country. So we discussed a few episodes ago. I forget which episode it was, but we talked about what uh, what cigar manufacturers are being requested, what lines, and then what are actually selling. And then they also put out a report on the top-selling cigar sizes in the United States by percentage. So tied for number four was the Churchill and the Corona at 1.2%, which is an absolute sin to me. Agreed. This surprised me, too. The Robusta was only 13.6%. The Grande was right under 15%, number two, 14.8. And number one was the Toro, Corona Gorda, 
at 69.2%. Bam's favorite. What are we doing here? I was shocked to see the difference between the Toro Corona Gorda at 69.2 and number two as the, the Grande at 14.8. Right. But the that Robusto is, being so low. Yeah, Robusto was number three on the list at 13.6. That's shocking. There's a 55-point swing between number one and number two between the Toro and the Grande. That is lunacy to me. It's insanity. Yeah. It's America. It's all about big portions. It is. But it, it's, it's also people trying to find value, right? Meaning if you're going to spend a couple of bucks extra and you feel you're going to be able to smoke more. But this yeah, is my maybe. problem with that. Then buy a damn Churchill. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. You know, agreed. I, I just at a reasonable ring gauge, I, I I hated seeing that, honestly. I mean, I immediately questioned, like, there's no way this is true. But obviously, it makes sense. You have to believe it. I just really don't understand why people... I mean, if you think of the best cigars out there, I mean, I would even challenge uh, even people who smoke these larger ring gauge, like the the... the the most respected, highly regarded cigars, 95% of them are not Toros. Yeah. Right. You think of all the like great legendary cigars and like really an expansive list. I can't, I would struggle to think of like what would be a Toro. I mean, the Padron 50 year, that would qualify as a yeah. Toro. 52. Yeah. 52 mm -hmm. by six and a half, I think it is. Outside of that, I don't know a single other cigar in Toro that's yeah. regarded as like one of the top, even the ones that CA still, you know, gives these silly 96, 97 points and named cigar of the year, like the Pledge prequel, that yeah. wasn't a Toro. I mean, so many of these are not. I don't get it. It'd be good to but, know. It'd be interesting to know uh, how many of the purchases were made by long, t long term cigar smokers and novice smokers. Well, if I mean, if and it kind of goes to what Pagoda said, you know, if you're a newbie and you're just getting into it and you want value and you think, look, if I'm going to spend the money, let me get a bigger cigar, blah, blah, blah. But it's clearly both because yeah. who's driving volume purchases? It's people who smoke a lot. Yeah, right? that's, that's repeat customers. This is true. If you go to a, a local lounge and you look around what people are smoking other than us, you will find most people are smoking a bigger ring gauge. Yeah. In general. In general. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I true. mean, the, the, the so, data certainly points to yeah. that. I mean, you know, you know, and, and this also, you know, kind of explains the thinking in Habanos, even in Cuba, the thinking of these, you know, new world manufacturers that we smoke cigars from, why they're not putting out new cigars in ring gauges under 50. You know, under 52, they're putting out they're not selling. big ring gauge cigars. I mean... Petite Coronas, Panatellas, Lonsdales, Lanceros. I mean, those are all under 1%. And those are such enjoyable Vitolas. You're getting incredible experience. And in New World and not. I mean, yeah. look at how many. We did a whole block ah. of long, skinny cigars, Lonsdales and Lanceros on this podcast. Arguably too many in the words of Senator, but we won't <laughs> go down that road. But they were but all great. They were all excellent. Yeah. I've modified my speech just enough. <laughs> just enough. <laughs> I mean, bef before this pod, Senator and I, I mean, I saw what he was smoking. He was smoking a, a Davidoff Millennium Petite Corona, I believe. Yeah. And I had the Monte Cristo Media, Media, Media Corona. Corona. Yeah. They were both small cigars. They are. I mean, we, there's so much flavor out of those cigars that yeah. it's unbeatable. It's awesome. No, but Russo, I think we evolved to that, right? Because I was just thinking about me going back, you know, what, over 20 years or so. Every time, even when I went to Nat Sherman, my preferred size to get was a Toro. And, you know, I, meaning a lot of the cigars I've tried 
were on the on the larger ring gauge size and larger and and maybe subconsciously because of the value uh, associated with it. Now that I've tried so many, I think my favorite size is the Robusto. Yeah, right. And Me too. Yeah. so I've evolved into that, and I think it's it's a matter of time, maybe, or you know, hopefully, people listening to the podcast and the education they're getting that there's more impact of mm-hmm. you know there's so many different I guess vitolas where you can actually uh, have a more meaningful experience. Yeah, and I, uh, I think the investment of time component's important because if you're going to sit down and have two or five cigars, the Toro's probably not going to make your rotation. You're going to go for the smaller ring gauges and or the shorter sizes. If you're going to have one cigar and go home, maybe the larger cigar's for you. Well, you, you know, but the thing, the thing that I'm thinking about with a large ring gauge cigar, like we've talked about, a lot of those cigars are not densely packed. They burn pretty quickly. And a lot of the times you see it, I've seen it in many cigar lounges, even here at our lounge, you know, guys are throwing these cigars away at the halfway point Mm -hmm. or or just coming into the last third, which a lot of the times for us on our favorite cigars, those are the best parts of the cigar, the best moments of a great cigar. So it's like, if you buy a Lancero or a Corona, you know, that, that you're going to get more value out of that just from the experience. If you smoke it well and you smoke it down to the end That's I mean right. we've seen dozens of El Jefe Gordos I was just, on I was just thinking <laughs> <laughs> you stole that El Jefe. I was like how many were strewn at the hotel Dylan? <laughs> Lizard Dave but I will say I want to go back to something that Bam and Pagoda said that now is, is res- resonating with me if you think of novice cigar smokers kind of early in their journey there is this sense, like I'm going back to like the first, very first few cigars that I bought. There is this like value equation in in your head that because the price difference is not all that significant between some of the smaller ring gauge and larger ring gauge cigars. And so when you're you're kind of viewing this through the lens of like budget, but also something you're going to enjoy. I do remember like actually smoking a number of larger ring gauge cigars just very, very early on. And like the thought process was like, well, if this little ring gauge cigar is $11 and this bigger, much bigger cigar is $13, I mean, I feel like a fool not buying the 13. Now, the problem with that, and this is what I think you learn on that journey, and that I hope that, especially for folks who would listen to this podcast that maybe are early in their journey, what I certainly didn't realize early on, I think even many of us kind of midway through our journey didn't realize not all Vitolas of the same blend and the same cigars smoke the same. The flavor profile is not even identical. Yep. I mean, the fact that like, obviously I've loved the Exclusivo since day one, but I couldn't believe like, you know, Gizmo, I remember tried the Monarca, right? Basically a Lonsdale, mm-hmm. smaller ring gauge than the Exclusivo. And it's the same blend, the 1964 anniversary series. It's different. Yet it tastes different. You get dried fruit in yep. that Monarca that is completely absent from the Exclusivo. And so I, I think once you realize that you're not, it's not like you're looking at a line in different Vitolas and they're all going to have the same flavor, exact same flavor profile. And it's just a question of like, what's the best bang for your buck? Once you realize that that's not the case, I think that's when you then start making those conscious choices to pursue maybe a smaller cigar, knowing it's actually going to deliver something unique and different. It's not about like, I'm getting screwed by, you know, this smaller ring gauge at, a similar right. price to a larger cigar. Right. But early on, I think we, we all succumb to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's the investment of time in combination with what you just said. I mean, if right. you can go back and remember your first cigar that you ever had, <laughs> do you guys all, did you all smoke like a big ring gauge cigar? 
I know. Ne- I never. Yeah. I, I mean, never reached for big. For me, cigars. it was the short story by Arturo Fuente. That my, was my first ever cigar. My, well, you know, my first cigar was a Millennium Pyramid. That's right. my very first cigar. So that's a that's a pretty big. It's but mouthfeel wise, it's not. It's not because, because it, of the pyramid. Exactly. Your mouthfeel on that is probably in the yeah. mid mid forty yeah. ring gauge. Right. I mean, mine was right. a robusto, the aroma de Cuba Mia more in robusto. Right. right. That's still a good cigar, honestly. Yeah. It's it's an interesting thing, and I mean, it it points to again understanding why so many of these brilliant cigars that we love have been discontinued. Lines that we love don't offer you know, the cigars and sizes that we like. I mean, even think about Davidoff, right? We love the Millennium Series. We love the Robusto, especially the Pyramid. They have now the Lancero, which was discontinued, probably for the reasons we're talking about tonight. Offered now is limited edition or exclusive mm-hmm. releases. It seems like these other kind of Vitolas are only going to be kind of pop-ups. Yeah. You know, not regular offerings, which is unfortunate. I mean, even Padron. Padron's newest cigar in their family reserve line is a really sixty. It's like yeah, a it's sixty a by yep. by yeah. It's a really big big uh, cigar. I'm sure they're doing the research and they're moving toward the market. Yeah, yeah even Habanos is doing the same thing. They're coming up with much bigger ring gauge. Yeah, yeah. And you look at the Churchill and Habanos. There's you know that that legendary Sir Winston. Mm-hmm. There's only what two or three offerings of Churchill in the entire catalog. Yep. I mean, you know, it's great. I, I can't lie. Like uh, the the times I end up going to Carnegie, if I don't have a cigar with me, or if there are quite a few people coming, I will go to the uh, Davidoff store, and instead of getting the Exclusivo, I'll get the Imperial, which is like the Toro, a little uh, bigger in the sixty four line. And 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 the reason is once again the price differential. Instead of buying two Exclusivos or three Exclusivos, I'll buy two Imperials, mm. and it just changes. You know, it buys me some more time. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know why I do it. I just do it. Indian Indian mentality. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen. I don't look at the price as much as I... It is. I'm value-driven, you know? Yeah, I don't look at the price as much as I do the Vitola. For me, if I'm going to be with a group and I'm going to have one or two with them and I know they'll have one and leave, I'd like a bigger cigar for that experience. Ring gauge size or length? Both. Okay. Because I know that's what they're going to want to smoke and I'm, you know... Keep Just up with them. Smoke slower. Yeah. But, you know, to, to <laughs> Senator's point, I mean, we experienced this, the Oliva V. Lancero, which I think we rated, what, a 9.7, 9.6, something in, like that. Incredible rating. Incredible. You look at the Churchill, even in that same exact line, performed I all, almost probably 20 points less or, you know, 15 points less. So that pr- proves your point. And the same thing in Padron 1964. I had a uh, Diplomatico the Churchill in mm. that line the other night because I wanted something a little longer. I think it was editing a podcast or something. And, and I was, you know, I, I wanted something that kind of gave me an hour and a half or two hours of cigar. And it tastes totally different to your point And to what Pagoda said, it really tastes very different than the Exclusivo does, which I also feel about the Monarca, which is the, the Lonsdale, the Corona, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a 42 and, and uh, the Torpedo, I think, is maybe the biggest outlier in that line as far as a difference in flavor. That the torpedo in that line in the Maduro is so different yeah. than uh, the, the 40, other 44, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good cigar. No, I'm talking the 1964 torpedo, the one that won Cigar of the Year. Hmm. But we smoked that in Maduro. Yeah. Uh, the best example of this, even uh, perfect example, because this is as small a cigar as you can really get from Padrone. Most of us, obviously, not all of us, don't love the nineteen, the regular nineteen twenty six line in Padron. It packs a bit too much nicotine and strength for a lot of us. Yep. 
the 1926 number 35. That what a little great short smoke. Oh, that's a great little cigar. Universally loved in this room. <laughs> it's an incredible smoke. Yet if you were to hand it most of us any of the other uh Vitolas in the 1926 line, none of us would want it. And right. so like it's a perfect example of like just the ratio is just perfect for our palate. It happens to be a smaller cigar and that arguably smokes better than any of those other Vitolas and I just think people don't know that and haven't experienced that enough to really understand why they might want to pursue a smaller ring gauge and, sometimes. And that goes back to the concept of that novice cigar smoker, and it would be great to know who's buying what Yeah, somehow. And also, you know, for the listeners out there, if you find something in a line at whatever ring gauge, if it's super small or it's it's the Gordo that we're talking about, or some of these lines are producing 70s and 80 ring gauge cigars now, you know, if you like something and it's kind of giving you what you want, explore the other Vitolas in that same line like we're talking about. I mean, you might really find something that's a home run where the sister cigars to it might not be doing it for you, you know, or giving you 100% of that. And I think, again, that Oliva V. Lancero really points to that theory. Sorry, all I'm thinking about is really wanting to light up a 1926 number 35. <laughs> and the reason I say this- They're so good, man. Well, the, the, the odd thing, so the price on those like dramatically started to increase. Yeah, they're and now I can't now. even imagine what it is. It's your and fault. so I stopped <laughs> buying them and I stopped smoking them because at that, again, I guess this is where the value comes in. I mean, that's a small cigar. Right, we have found other short smokes that are a fraction of that price. Isn't that like twelve dollars? Oh no, more now it's more. Really? Yeah. It's probably sixteen. Yeah, that's I think outrageous. so. And that's and a, a little. Small smoke. That's a little petite Corona. Yeah, right? that's an end of evening cigar. Yeah, where it's like if you think of any of the other short smokes we buy, like they're all like five to ten bucks basically. They're not much more than that. And so I just realized I have not lit that cigar since we've been at this lounge, which I mean, is now what three years at yeah. least. Yeah. Right. I have, so, I mean, I think the 1926 line has five years of age. Mm -hmm. so I've got a whole box that's sitting there now with an additional three years, at least, because I probably bought it even a year before that. So probably another four years. So that's like nine years right now. There I'm you go. pretty oh, excited yeah. to try one of these. We he's rubbing too. it. He's For the listener, he's rubbing his hands together over there. <laughs> We're also excited. <laughs> <laughs> Bring seven cigars. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I have not reached for that cigar for how delicious it is. I haven't reached for it in a long time. I think because a lot of the time I'm finishing my evening with, you know, I'll 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 start Cuban, I'll I'll move to Dominican or, or Nicaraguan tobacco, and then I'll finish with a short Cuban like the Half Corona or some of the other ones that we've done on the podcast or the the uh, the Monte uh, Monte Cristo that Rooster mentioned earlier. But yeah, that's a, that's a great evening yeah. finisher. Especially mm -hmm. we're talking about it now, guys. It's cold out. It's getting. It's going to get chilly. That is a great winter cigar the padron 1935 especially with uh, some sort of you know higher proof bourbon or rye whiskey it's like a robust tonight. robust cigar and it, it'll hold up to the outdoor elements yeah i just looked yeah. up the price for it it's 315 dollars for a box wow now. so it's 1260 12 but that's in bulk so if you're buying singles you're definitely gonna be closer yeah. to 14 or 16 yeah. for a that cigar that's what off. three and I mean, a half this inches is also on vip price on yeah atlantic. atlantic vip yeah it's a great value there all right, boys, so we're coming to the end of our evening here. Any thoughts on the pairing with the Hill Rock Rye Whiskey and the Rocky Patel ALR? I think nice overall. Yeah, I'm happy. No I, I'm very satisfied with how the, you know, the cigar rounded out toward the end. I'm, I'm much happier with that than where it started, but really no complaints for me, and I think the pairing was, was very nice as well. I mean, I have some complaints with the cigar, but I'll get into that in my rating, but the one thing I will say positively 
the last third was the best part of it for me. If it would have been that all the way through, I, I would have scored it higher. Yeah, and the last third, it, it does ramp up, and the hill crest, uh, the hill rock, I'm sorry, the hill rock pairs very nicely in the stretch. All right, boys, so let's do the formal liquor rating on the hill rock rye whiskey. Bam, bam, you're up. Sir, Um, do we know how much that bottle is? I uh, think it's not me, cheap. Let me look at this on Total Wine. It's not cheap. Yeah, this is not a cheap bottle. It's uh, 120 a bottle. Oof. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no, that's very kind, man. I mean, that's just amazing. Yeah, so that it's it's the, the price is tough. You know, I have to say with a good handful of ice, it's very drinkable. With our pairing, it was quite delicious. You know, I don't want to be too hard on it, but that price is really... That's a high price. That's that's tough. But you're supporting a local business, Bam. This is true. I'll, I'll you know I'll give it a seven. Okay, I'll give it a seven. And, and the other thing we should keep in mind: why the price has got to be so high? Everything is done on their estate, and it's batch, small batch. I'm right. guessing, right? Yep. Yep. I'm sticking with a seven. All right, pagoda. Yeah, you wouldn't be allowed to change that anyway. Nope, and I won't. <laughs> <laughs> he was ready to get you, man. I considered it. <laughs> no, I, I think I'll give it a seven as well. I think it's very kind of uh, uh, the listeners who have uh, sent it. it. You know, it's a testament to the community we're building as well, right? Mm -hmm. And it's fantastic. Um, and I hope the, uh, you know, uh, the listeners can, um, you know, try a little bit of both both the pairings together like uh, it did work well with the cigar it really did but having said that um i felt that it definitely needed ice obviously because of the high proof um i enjoyed it in the beginning um i felt it was really cleansing my palate for a certain amount of time and um it's a recommend the prices i think uh beyond my <laughs> my price range i would put it this way uh, for this particular drink i think a seven to fair score Senator, I'm I'm in the exact same boat. I think the pairing worked extremely well with the cigar, so I'm very happy that we we did this. The flavor, I liked a lot of the flavor notes that you get out of this rye, and I especially appreciate it. Again, a lot of ryes tend to be spicier, and I didn't get that. I actually like that they did this double cast that kind of balanced that out with some sweet mm -hmm. notes. And again, I'm not someone, I mean, I don't have a single bottle of rye in my bar, period. And this was one of the more enjoyable rides I've had. The price point is a bit problematic. I mean, I say that because Whistlepig Tenure, which is kind of regarded as like the gold standard of yeah. like a, a really good quality rye. And it's quite tasty, actually. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's significantly less. It's like 70 a bottle usually mm -hmm. for Whistlepig. So right. um, that would preclude me from probably, you know, pursuing this with any regularity. But if I was at someone's house and they poured me a glass of this with ice, I would definitely drink it again. I wouldn't have any complaints. So for me, it's a solid seven. And I think for probably a more experienced rye drinker, you know, this may score higher. I'm not all that experienced with rye. And so for me, it's a seven. So I agree with everything you guys said. Um, the one thing I will say about this versus some of the other ryes that we've had on the podcast and other ryes that I've had, I actually found this to be a more pleasurable drink because it didn't hit I'm, me with that. I have that, a whole thing to talk about that when you're hit, done. It didn't hit me with yeah. that spice. Yeah, yeah. The price point is questionable. Um, obviously, we didn't purchase this bottle tonight, but the flavor of the rye, it, it's definitely one of the better ryes that I've had for my palate. And I think with a cigar, I think actually it paired perfectly. So I think if I'm sitting at home sipping something, I'm not going to reach for this. But if I'm having a Nicaraguan cigar or a Dominican cigar, 
I think this pairs very well. So I'm actually going to go with an eight on this. Um, you know, I'm very comfortable with that score despite the price. Um, I really actually enjoyed the ride tonight. Mm-hmm. The thing that I will say too is I didn't sip this till quite a bit into the pod. We started, I don't think we even talked about this till about 40 minutes in. So mine sat with ice. I didn't sip it without, so I maybe I should have, but where it was when I started drinking it was pleasurable the whole way through. So it's an eight for me. And that, boys, brings the formal liquor rating on the Hill Rock double cask rye whiskey to a 7.3. Okay. It's a recommend. So it's a recommend. Yeah, it's a recommend. Absolutely. Yeah. What's ironic about this is the price because it drinks like a, a what a novice whiskey or scotch drinker would want to try if they're going to try arrive for the first time because it's so easy to drink with ice because without you need to be a really seasoned rye guy and it it packs a punch. The price though, it just makes it out of reach for a lot of first-time rye guys. Yeah. And that's ironic oh, because no it drinks it drinks like what a rye would drink for a novice, and they would enjoy it. I enjoyed it. It's true. I will also say I'm glad we're doing this this time of year because when I just think of like, where would I drink this? This is great in the fall and winter. Yes. Like I'm imagining after like a Thanksgiving meal, having a glass of this, it'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, the Angel's Envy Rye, I think, goes for 90, which is, uh, you know, which is a pretty, uh, I guess, uh, uh, a reasonable rye to be drinking and you know i tend to i really like the angels and me rye mm. and um that's you're talking about 30 bucks cheaper which yeah what it is 25 percent yeah lower in price yeah so all right all right boys you ready to do the formal lizard rating tonight on the rocky patel alr second Woo! edition robusto <laughs> Here we right. go. Connoisseur Corner. My, Michael Myers, you're up. <laughs> Connoisseur Corner's teed up. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I've yet to find a Rocky Patel that would that has vowed me. And this still, you know, I mean, I'm still searching. So if there's any listen recommendations to try another Rocky Patel, I would I would be happy to do that. Having said that, I mean, this I mean, the cigar was kind of one-dimensional for me. It didn't really change much. Um it's not in my wheelhouse. It's I'm not. I didn't quite get the notes that you guys were talking about. I didn't get any cocoa. <laughs> I mean, I was just getting some white pepper. <laughs> so my my rating on this cigar, it's a very generous six. Wow, generous, generous. generous. I'm are being you, generous. So are you going to get the meat cleaver now and just walk around with it? <laughs> we're going to be packing up the gear tonight, and, and Rooster's just going to be standing outside with the Michael Myers mask on and the uh, the overalls. <laughs> oh, Senator, boy. you're up. Um, so I, I think oh, this is tough. I'm between two scores. Can change. Be careful. I know. I, I, I really do have to be careful here. Yeah, I know where I am. It's a six for me. Um, I say that because it's just not a cigar that I would recommend. Um, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't give this to anybody, even a novice cigar smoker. I, I think my frustration with it is that the flavors are muddled for a lot of it. There are notes in there that I typically appreciate. It's just that none of them are overly pronounced. I had to really wait until the final third to kind of pick up in strength to a place that I felt was more in my comfort zone for a Nicaraguan cigar. But I mean, you know, like Rooster, it's like the temptation to put it to put it down was definitely there in the first half. 
So I, I, I would never pursue it. Um, it, the, the merits, I will say it's well-constructed, good looking cigar. Once you get that foot giant foot band off, <laughs> the combustion was great. And, um, it's just a shame because the flavor notes that are there, if they could just blend this in a way to really accentuate those more and bring them out more, this would get a seven or an eight for me, but because it just feels too muted and at many times muddled, I've got to give it a six. Okay. So I'm going to give the cigar a seven. And I'll tell you why. I think, number one, I think a lot of New World cigars that have been mediocre or below that, call them poor on this podcast, they start decently or poorly in the first third. And then through the second third and last third, they take a nosedive. Like the plane goes right into the mountain. Okay? (laughs) What I liked about this is I'm sensing that this is intentional. I'm sensing that what Rocky and, and his team did on this was trying to give you a little bit of a journey, which we're, I think we all experienced that it picked up in that last third as opposed to diving. And I thought that even though it didn't give me what I normally am looking for in a Nicaraguan cigar, I do think it delivered a, a pretty decent experience tonight. Um, I would give this to novice smokers. I would give this to folks who like a mild cigar and say, hey, can you give me something a little more than that? I liked that the first two thirds were were medium, you know, bordering on medium full in the last third. So I, I can't complain about it for how much I would love to to join Rooster and his Michael Myers, you know, <laughs> hacksaw stabbing approach, um, putting it down. But you know, seriously, I, I I think that it was intentional, and I think what Rocky intended to do in this cigar, he did. So for me, it's a seven. Pagoda. Yeah, this is this is an interesting one because I did smoke quite a few of these, um, you know, uh, earlier. Uh, no peer pressure. No peer pr- pressure. But, you know, I'll rate it a seven. And I was very happy that Rooster did not, um, you know, just put off the cigar in the first couple of minutes. That's what I was a bit worried about. He almost didn't come tonight. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but having said that, I, you know, I... I thought the flavors were very, very muted. And I was debating between a six and seven throughout the cigar. Um, For me, I felt that towards the end, it was very peppery for me. Um, You know, I did get uh, muted notes of cocoa. um, And at one point in time, I felt a little bit of bitterness. And I don't know whether it could be attributed to coffee or dark chocolate. I couldn't really. And maybe it's slightly muddled. Yeah, I think seven is a generous score, you know, using uh, Rooster's uh, word over there. Uh, but yeah, it's it's like a soft recommend, uh, not something I'm going to go and buy again. Okay, bam. Wow, I'm surprised. Yeah, I, I was thinking an eight coming out of you. No. All right, I'm going to give it a seven. And what I said earlier, I would give this to a novice cigar smoker because, you know, if I give him a Padron, like we said earlier, it could hit him with a hammer. This is a great... Low end, lower middle market cigar that I think works for a lot of people. And I think, like you said, it's intentional. Seven. I had no rough edges at all. It yeah. was one dimensional, maybe slightly muddled, but still fairly enjoyable cigar. I don't know if muddled is the right word for me. I think muted or mm. toned down. Toned down. That's I, a great I, word. I yeah. don't think I, there was no confusion yeah. as far as what I was getting, how I was getting it. Like, so it was just kind of like the volume knob was turned down a little bit on the cigar yeah. from what I'd expect from this kind of blend Nicaraguan, but nothing to hate. Nothing to hate. No, no. I think, I think but, muddled in the sense that 
the notes were not distinguishable. Yeah. That's what that's I that's agree. where I'm at. You know, like I couldn't pick. They weren't very distinct. Mm. Like I couldn't say, well, I'm getting a lot of cocoa. I'm getting a lot of this, a lot of that. It wasn't that. So that that to me is kind of like muddled or muted or whatever. You know. And you know, I typically like the San Andres rapper. You know, because we all of, do. Yeah. 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 So yeah. you know, there is some merit to that, but. Um, I do think uh, that uh, uh, the pairing really enhanced the cigar, I felt. That's true. I really enjoyed the cigar after, I think, uh, the pairing with it. So I think that might have pushed it between from a 6 to a 7 at some point. Yeah. So the former Lizard rating boys on the Rocky Patel ALR, second edition Robusto, is a 6.6, which I think is the right score for this. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's perfect. I think think Freddy Krueger would love the cigar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Michael Myers did not. Yes, that's true. <laughs> All right, boys. So a good pairing tonight. Not great for our Halloween spooktacular. Did we spook you, Rooster? <laughs> spook for life. <laughs> so I think, the, I think we're going to try the Gordo next. Yes. Yeah, we're going to do that next week, actually. Do you, do you remember that there were times when, early on when we met Pagoda, and we were all kind of trading cigars. And I remember Rooster gave Pagoda some cigar, probably a Cuban. Cuban, yes. And Pagoda wanted to give us something back. And he's like, well, this is all I have. And he hands him an ALR. <laughs> and the look on Rooster's face, if I had a photograph of that, was incredible. That was I a think fun I night. gave him an 898. Eight, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right, boys. So on the Hill Rock double cask rye whiskey, was a 7.3 and the Rocky Patel cigar tonight. The ALR second edition Robusto was a 6.6. Good uh, good hanging with you all. Happy Halloween. And we'll see everybody next week. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for joining us. You can find our merch store and ratings archive at our brand new website, loungelizardspod.com. That's loungelizardspod.com. Don't forget to leave us a rating and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any comments, questions, if you want to reach out, say hello, tell us what you're smoking, email us, hello at loungelizardspod.com. You can also find us on Instagram, at loungelizardspod. We really appreciate your time, and we'll, uh, we'll see you next week.